0: I feel like you just never want to leave the house, Lex. Yeah, that's true.
1: Everybody, we're sorkin' it in. Watch the newsroom, please take just a minute. It's a podcast. Aaron and my shoes about Will and Mackenzie. Making the news. You're sorkin' it in it. That song means two things and two things only. One, you just rocked out. You know you did. You were bopping along. And two, it's time, indeed, for another episode of Sorkin' in It. He's Brian Warren.
0: Hey, and there's Lex Friedman.
1: I can't believe it. We're back again. Today, we're discussing Season 2, Episode 6 of The Newsroom, an episode called One Step Too Many. Brian, what was that episode about?
0: Well, uh, a few different things. But um, we really made a lot of progress on the Genoa Tip plot line. Yeah. Um, it's been dragging out for well clearly uh, at least six episodes now. <laughs> uh yeah. but this time we we had this red team that uh met to tease apart the case for this uh genoa story and that just kind of continued to move throughout the whole plotline uh, including the uh with Charlie and Mac going to chase down uh, this uh retired general to see if he'd be willing to get uh give some statements on the case and and then Jerry goes in uh meets with him later. Uh, But also some other things did happen too, you know, uh, Jim and Hallie, they met together while she was in town and tried to have dinner and some romantical times. Uh, And, and Will was also like hyper-focused on his likability going as far as to appear in the morning show um, just to show how likable he is. (laughs) But it all kind of winds up with Jerry doing some stuff that he really shouldn't be doing. And um, eventually the team decides, uh, yeah, I guess we're going to go ahead and um, air this thing. But um, it just made me want to go watch the second episode. But uh, tell me how you felt about it, Lex? Yeah,
1: I did want to watch the next one. This is the fewest notes I've taken during an episode of the newsroom, which, to me, if nothing else, implies that I was intrigued or captivated or captured by the story more often more than than is typical for me. So I think I liked it. Um, I took notes on stuff that I enjoyed. Uh, um, I took notes on stuff that I was annoyed by, so pretty much standard for me. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, really, a uh, short block of notes. I thought this was a good episode. I thought it was also not tightly plotted; like it didn't feel like it was um running at a thousand miles an hour, but that it was it was packed. Like you couldn't you couldn't zone out because there was lots of stuff to pay attention to. Um, information dense, I guess I would call it. I liked it though. How'd you feel? You like it?
0: Yeah, I I liked it too, which is kind of surprising to me because I I'm uh, usually pretty critical of the Genoa plotline, but I think part of it is that like this is where things really kick off and we're actually starting to make some progress here. And I looked back through and there's like kind of very few times in this episode when people are just completely acting like idiots, and yeah. that's when when I really get uh, upset about this show. I
1: I'm kind of. Astounded that we're ever going to get to a wrongful termination suit because they've taken Jerry Dantana, who we think is a bad guy, and made him a truly bad guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like he is acting villainous and clearly in the wrong. They even they even gave us the training wheels for this storyline uh, an episode or two back when Maggie edited out the question, yeah, uh, in that police tape, and they're showing you. Oh, it's really important that you not edit out important things when reporting news. And then, of course, you know, spoiler for late in the episode, Jerry dantana is going to edit out uh um steven root's character going from saying if we did it to we did it which is a very different sentence <laughs> and uh, he does that not just in the edited package but also in what he claims is the raw footage right so he is really really lying to that red team yeah uh, so i don't know what the hell is the wrongful termination suit he lied <laughs> like okay
0: they didn't fire Maggie, so why should they fire Jerry? I think that's where this is gonna go. Interesting.
1: Look at you. I like that. And
0: so they're gonna have to like clearly differentiate those two. Like she made a mistake. They're gonna have to show that he was um, intentional. And so that's right. gonna he be a little bit trickier. Yeah. He edited yeah.
1: the raw footage, so it's gonna be a pretty different thing.
0: And but she I, copped I, to I, it instantly, too. Like she was like, Holy smokes, I did something wrong, and she immediately reported it.
1: I think ACN is going to emerge victorious in this case with Jerry Fantana. Although, <laughs> since it is a giant corporation, you never know. It could be the kind of thing where they, they pay him a couple million dollars just to make him go away. Who knows? Um, but let's start at the beginning, as we so often do, Brian. Okay, let's do it. How'd you feel about the reindeer counting? <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you this. That scene, to me, felt like somebody tr- that felt not like ChatGPT, that's too simple, but it felt like somebody trying to imitate Sorkin dialogue and missing. It was surprising to me that Sorkin was credited as a writer in this episode because I feel like Sorkin knows that his, kind of like Shakespeare, which I'm sure is an analogy he wouldn't mind, Mm -hmm. knows that his characters sometimes don't sound entirely human, knows that they sound smarter or more erudite is that the word? than a typical human can off the cuff. But uh, this one, they were not behaving like any kind of human. (laughs) Like (laughs) getting distracted by how many reindeer are there, counting them, losing track and starting again. And what are, like, that was so beyond the point in a serious conversation about a serious thing that it, it felt ridiculous to me but um, don't let me put words in your mouth you never would or reindeer in your shed how did you feel about the reindeer <laughs> stuff
0: um i chuckled when when it first started happening i felt like it it went on maybe a beat too long and i think if they had just kept it a little bit more trim it would have been okay i will admit though i wanted it to be more prancing <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm prancing I feel like sometimes when I'm in a very intense conversation, I will use ridiculousness to kind of like blow off some steam in the middle of it and even sidetrack the group. <laughs> it's probably not a good idea. Um, so I feel like that's a that's little fair. bit.
1: And, it just felt like you. I think it went yeah, too long.
0: Yeah. Don even copped to it. Too. He was like, uh, you know, uh, he's thinking, I'm thinking about reindeer because I'm trying not to think about what we're just we just said we're talking about or something. Yeah. But, you know, I do agree that it is um, a a bit too far, and um, it it does feel like an exaggerated version of Sorkin.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, But so the initial reaction from, like, Don and Sloan is not, uh, they're they're not totally diving into this, believing this story. They are highly suspect. And they're like, come on, Charlie, you clearly don't believe this. And Charlie's like, no, I think it's true, and I think we're going to prove it. And uh, I don't know. I, uh, I I like the whole concept of the red team, which they'd already teased to us earlier in the season, and uh, I think that they got exactly the response they wanted, even if it's not the one they wanted. Which is doubt, right? You want people to try to poke holes in it because you don't. You would never want to release a wrongly researched story and a correct story. Hopefully, that would happen, Brian. Right? That'd be terrible.
0: There was almost a little bit of fear there. Like this is this is a really really big deal, and I yeah. I can't even believe we're talking about it, and that is. Um, that felt very genuine. I, I I appreciated that. I also feel like the 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 team pursuing the story. What are they? The the blue team, the white, <laughs> whatever, sure. the, the non red team. The, the team actually working on this story. They kind of tipped their hand, especially Jerry. That like they're already convinced, and they're just looking for the proof to prove what they're convinced of. And you kind of see this happen a lot more clearly throughout this episode than maybe a little bit before like jerry is just like we did this this is terrible and he one quote from him is like we're less concerned about what we're accusing them in of and more concerned about what they did and so it's like we've already gotten over the fact that this is something bad and now we need to go uh go show everybody else how bad this is i walking in with that they've stopped being open-minded about it I guess is what I'm getting upset about and that's where I feel like Jerry's lost his objectivity and that's where he starts falling into that trap
1: I hear you I will say two things not even I mean lightly disagreeing either but most more agreeing than disagreeing but uh I think I feel like that's been Jerry's perspective from almost the moment he got this story mm-hmm. that he has mm-hmm. been convinced of its veracity from the very beginning and everything he's done is in support of. I already know this is true, so let's let's get whatever you need to put it on TV. And then separately, I I think you're right that his side of the table believes in the story, but I feel like that's why you have the red team. Like I think sure. it's okay that they believe it. They're like, "Hey, we've now been deep in this." So help us see it from a new light. Like, help us, help us. Like, I think everybody but Jerry is like, poke holes. And Jerry's Mm -hmm, like, you mm -hmm. will find no holes. And that's the difference. (laughs) Like, But they they do a really good job of making Jerry be uh, totally unlikable. And they just, they make it more and more so. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. I buy that.
1: Then we have a Hannah video call.
0: Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I was so gratified. Halley video call. Oh, my God.
1: Good Lord. I even wrote it down again. We have a Halley video call, and I was so gratified because last time we weren't sure were they still supposed to be dating, and now we know definitively they are still supposed to be dating, remotely dating.
0: And they're kind of cute about it. Yeah. And
1: again, with this organism of a fancy hotel reservation in the place where you live, instead of just going to your house or apartment, uh, let's spend way too much on a hotel room. I don't get it. It's not a thing.
0: All right. So, folks— I looked it up because, um, you know, we don't. I'll, I'll be the red team here. I, I went and did the I tracked down the Soho Grand. It is a hotel in New York and it does not cost it, either. Jim is extremely underpaid uh, or it does not cost three years salary for him, cause, which is what he said. And a, a nice suite, not the nicest, but also like not the cheapest room. A nice suite with a terrace in New York is like twelve hundred bucks a night. So it's eleven $1, ninety three per night in twenty twenty three. So yeah, I got to imagine it was even less back uh, ten years ago. So let's say even if it's half that though. So obviously, I think he was using
1: hyperbole when he said it was three months out. Okay, all
0: right. Well, this is proof that he was using hyperbole.
1: Well done. But like, why spend five hundred dollars on that? You
0: have par- <laughs> like think of all the other things
1: you do with five hundred dollars. Get the best dinner you've ever had. I don't know. I hate this hotel room situation. Um, and then. Uh, so they plan that dinner, and she's he needs to bring Neil because she's bringing somebody who she wants to set Neil up with. Uh, obviously, Jim doesn't like that because he wanted to have a, a fast dinner and then go have all kinds of sex, I guess, in this overpriced hotel room. <laughs> uh, and then we have grumpy Will. Yeah. I, I did not know what to make of Will running his own secret focus group. I feel like they're making Will an increasingly pathetic character. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know if I would say he deserves better, but it's, it's not the direction I would have expected.
0: I feel like we did, didn't really know what to do with Will in this episode too like this plot line of his could be uh, pulled out of here and put anywhere else in this season uh, aside from that I guess we're seeing his relationship with Nina uh, yeah uh, that kind of developing a little bit more which is kind of cool I guess I, I kind of like them together a little bit but um, it was completely unrelated to anything else going on with uh, the main plot line here I was kind of kind of bored with it a little bit. Uh aside from that I did like Will the the version of Will and Sloan. I like that pairing in this episode. Agreed. She was more his equal. I mean, she's kind of like goofy in her like talking about John Carter from, from Mars like that that whole thing. But she um told him the things that he needed to hear and not just what he wanted to hear a, a couple times in this episode and I liked it. Yeah,
1: I'm with you on that. Um and I Listen, I like any time Stephen Root shows up. I like oh, yeah. any time Stephen Root shows up in an Aaron Sorkin project because he was also on the final season, maybe the final two seasons of The West Wing, um, working for Senator Arnold Vinnick. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so Stephen Root is interviewed in his pre interview about this Saren story. And I think I, I wrote down Charlie brandishing the faked manifest. Was it Charlie who did that or was it uh, Jerry? But somebody. No, he brought
0: uh Yeah, he brought it. It was, it was kind of like a to check his bona fides.
1: And it it seemed crazy to me that he was holding the original one and then just putting it down. Like, Mm -hmm. we should have a photo or a copy of it versus brandishing (laughs) the original. That seemed nonsense-like to me. And he looked at Uh, it for, like,
0: two seconds. He's like, oh, yeah, that's authentic. Like, "Mm, really? Like, it didn't look like you looked that hard.
1: And I liked that little pre-interview. And then I liked, uh, like you said, they're showing that Will's relationship with Nina has progressed quite a bit. Uh, And then... um, I don't know, there's I don't even know if I would consider it a sorkinism or I I'll say it's not a specific Sorkinism as much as it's gosh, Aaron can be weird about women. Um the the excitement over cocktail attire mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um Jim being told do whatever she wants if she's gonna be in cocktail attire. Mm-hmm. And uh even Gary I, I Cooper liked, got in on it? Yeah, Gary's like, Oh yeah, do it. And then <laughs> but I liked um I like that scene. I like the scene where we show up. Uh, um And, uh, Constance Zimmer, who plays Taylor, she's the (laughs) former, we find out the now former press secretary for, we don't know it right away, but she's going to join the dinner. She gives Jim a lot of crap. Uh, Um, but like they show a more human side of, of Taylor, which I like. Mm -hmm. And then we see Taylor's sadness that she got fired in part, I guess, because the governor didn't want her advice about how to do things better than he was doing. But I, I liked that whole thing. I even I didn't mind. It felt real that Hallie, who is not Hannah by the way, I know you keep thinking she's Hannah brian but she's not. She's yeah,
0: I can't get over I liked
1: it. Hallie getting. I liked the expensive hotel going to waste. I think it's a valuable life lesson for Jim. <laughs> Don't book hotel rooms in the place like we you just live. never
0: want to leave the house, Lex. Yeah, that's true.
1: But uh I, you know, she gets called away because she's got to cover some story, so she can't spend more time with Jim. Sorry, Jim. Uh, but that's what long distance relationships are like. And also, some of it's on Hallie, right? Like you know you're probably going to have a short amount of time. Don't – you can you – can, if you're in a long-distance relationship, I do think that there is some pressure to make one-on-one time, even if it's not for, you know, intimacy. So uh, I, they might be a little doomed, particularly since we're still
0: shipping uh, Jim and Maggie. So I'm just saying. Right. We're shipping Jim and Maggie, and this stuff with Hallie, it kind of has to run its course. Uh, and, yeah, they're still kind of even trying to figure out how to be a couple. So – it's it's a little disappointing that we know it's doomed. I feel like that dinner scene was kind of fun. Uh, and I think the... Neil kind of losing it with uh, whatever her name was. Uh, crap. Aubrey? Aubrey or Audrey or something like that? Aubrey. You're right, Aubrey. Yeah. She was... <laughs> that woman played a kind of a, a little, little on the wacky side character. But it was pretty fun. I don't know. Uh, there was one fun quote from that too. Oh, yeah. It was... She was being all, um, Ron, like the Ron Paul nut and stuff. And Neil, he just, he just can't handle it. And he's like saying, he said something like, uh, uh, I'm all for legalization of marijuana, but really I could get, I could make a call and get weed here before the check comes. And Jim just mumbles, the check will never come. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> Uh, um, I, I I liked that at first. Neil liked drunk Aubrey. He thought yeah. that
0: she was fun, and
1: then like when she started talking, he's like, "Nope, I don't like you anymore." Which I appreciate. <laughs> I like that he was like done with her as soon as she revealed her idiocy. And boy, she was certainly painted as an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, I think that leads to the the interview.
0: Yeah, we we skipped over Maggie at the at the hotel bar. Uh, that's the only oh, thing we kind right.
1: of a very odd little moment so i'm glad you brought it up so maggie's at the bar seemingly she knows that's where jim is going like seemingly she's at the bar intentionally that was my read like i don't buy that it's just a coincidence to me yeah i bought she knew that's where he was going and so she's there to drink alone because otherwise i think she'd pick any of the million cheaper bars available in new york city versus what's got to be an overpriced bar those drinks are got to cost 30 bucks there
0: the bartender knew her that's the thing like he was like oh um uh, Stolian tonic, like, good to see you again, or something like that. Oh,
1: I read it as she had already had one, and she wanted another. But Maybe I'm wrong. Mm,
0: Okay. It's
1: a mystery. But she's there, and Jim goes over to see her, formally introduces her to Hallie. Yeah. And she lies, I guess. Uh, Maggie lies about being there with others, and she's not. Uh, And then she kind of, like, there's a guy, right? A guy does show up that she's going to be leaving with.
0: It was the bartender. It
1: was the bartender. I didn't catch the bartender. Fascinating.
0: Fascinating. It was one of those conversations where everybody knows everybody else is lying. Because, like, Hallie says, Jim's helping me with my my computer. computer." (laughs) Is that what you're calling
1: it these days? (laughs) You're going to go up there and defrag your hard drive? (laughs) Someone's B-Ram needs zapping.
0: Wow. Uh, So, (laughs) we... Maggie knows that that's not what's going on, and there there was some line right after that. After they, Jim was like, "Oh, thanks for, thanks for that." And she said, "I'm not really sure it even helped. Like, it was it was kind of this little slight moment of awkwardness where everybody kind of knows that Maggie's a mess, and it yeah. was kind of it was a sad moment, really.
1: I agree. And Jim's like, "Well, I got to go rebuild her desktop, if you know what I mean. <laughs> am I having too much fun with that? Yes, yes, I am." uh yeah but that scene was sad about maggie there's no no two ways about it like that maggie's still struggling and i hope the cure is not simply jim i hope that there's work that she does on her own like i'd like to see her meet with a therapist Mm -hmm. um and then we got we got jerry dantana i liked jerry uh and steven root and maggie and Stephen root saying no she can't stay um, the only thing I didn't like mm-hmm. because Steven Root's like no this is the name this is the person I did research on so she has to step out the only thing I didn't like was Maggie being like okay just uh, you know check your levels every once in a while like that's that's not all she should be doing as a producer I didn't like her diminishing her own role that much uh, but it was it was good advice nonetheless uh, and so then you know Dantana's really going after Steven Root trying to get him to give him the quotes that he wants he doesn't get those quotes and then he hacks up the tape and he is, we're watching him like blur his edit. Like he's going through the work to hack the tape and immediately when he's unveiling it for, mm-hmm. I guess the red team and the non red team. <laughs> um, uh, like, I want to see the raw footage. And somebody else says me too. but I don't remember who it is. Um, maybe it's Charlie. Yeah, probably. And he's faked the raw footage. And w- that's when we find that he's faked the raw footage. We knew he faked the edit and we're so proud of them. Yes. Good. You should want to see it. And then there it is. Faked wrong. Uh, uh, in that raw footage too and that's clearly you know um insubordination that's not even everywhere right. that's, that's clearly like mal something he's 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 breaking the rules he's doing something very wrong and he's lying to his bosses he's lying to the team and i i already know how they're gonna catch it did you see because they, yeah. they telegraphed it pretty hard
0: <laughs> they they did i mean the folks i guess you'll 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 learn this soon enough on your own if you didn't figure it out too but like the 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 basketball game is still in the shot and they even had the shot clock on the in the shot too so yeah we'll we'll be seeing that and i tried to watch it i tried to watch the but i couldn't it my it was too small on my screen oh at the i moment. did
1: i did watch it a couple of times and so yeah it, did they bounce around there's the you can see it's yeah the i can't tell if you can quite see that the score changes but you can definitely see that the game jumps like one team has the ball and then us in the next shot that the other team has the ball and to me that's enough even if the numbers don't change um but so they, they set it up where Steven Root's like, no, I've got to keep the TV on. March Madness only comes once a year. I don't have any more I've left. It's got to stay on. That's weird. Then I can't get it out of the shot. That's weird. And I, that is, to me, a thing I love about Sorkin, right? Like stuff that just feels like character development or interesting mm-hmm. storytelling, whatever, becomes integral to the plot. And that clearly will be because that's how they're going to eventually figure it out. Figure it out. Uh um, and then we also have lots of time passing. Right. Another thing I noted about this episode, like they're going through lots and lots of time. They're showing you, oh, months have passed, and the election is continuing to progress. And uh, I also have this note about the two Herman Valenzuelas. <laughs> That's my <laughs> only other note. I thought that was funny, and a classic example again of Aaron loving uh, coincidences. So there's the coincidence that there were two different people with the same rank in the military with the same unusual name. Um, so a person who they thought was dead wasn't dead or vice versa
0: 100%. the way that jerry talked about it in the beginning of the episode where he's like and all but one of them are not talking or something like that and they're like well which what about him and he's like well he's dead and it's like uh to, <laughs> the way you made it sound the only one talking is the dead guy which oddly enough ends up being true which is kind of funny double funny i suppose in the end
1: so i don't uh i i i have to imagine well, I guess let me start the sense one more time. We know this is a nine-episode season. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that this storyline would have wound down by now. It hasn't. So now I have to imagine that it's going to really stretch. Maybe not all the way to nine, but probably to episode eight. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like you could wrap it up at any point. Like, they could figure it out next week. They could figure it out next week after that. But like, my hunch is it'll go to around episode eight, and then episode nine is when we'll get some other, uh, probably Jim and Maggie hooking up. Mm. That's that'll be the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um I did like you were talking about that Will and Sloan scene and I, I I hadn't written it down but I saw it on the IMDb quotes. Uh Sloan says to Will, "We've kind of a big brother little sister relationship." And Will says, "Which one are you?" <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good uh, a great joke on a lot of levels. I like it. Yeah.
0: One thought one one thing I liked about this episode and we've seen this kind of happen throughout this season is Don keeps getting less bad. And maybe it's because we have another couple of villains already. Um, I I kind of, this was a pretty good Don episode. I like the way that he's taking things seriously. I, I like the way he's kind of approaching it. Um, like you realize how bad this could get. And there's going to be, even, there were, you could find out that it's all true and you should still strongly consider not reporting it. And that couple of chats between him and uh, Mac, I quite enjoyed, and I'm I'm coming around on Don Lex. I'm, I, I imagine if I, uh, you know, 14 episodes ago, Brian was, was could hear this, uh, that that would just beggar belief. But uh, I'm I'm kind of enjoying Don.
1: <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, you get the sense, I get the sense that Sorkin regretted making Don out to be the villain. He's like, hey, this is a cool Mm -hmm. character. I like." And a little bit, and this is a stretch for sure, but a little bit, Don reminds me of how William H. Macy's character of Sam is written on Sports Night. And I don't have instant recall. I recently saw some of these episodes. William H. Macy comes in (laughs) as a fixer for the Sports Night program. Robert Young's character brings him in. Isaac. And uh, everybody hates him, but also respects him. Everybody hates him because he has a terrible personality he's really rough and it's because he knows he's really good at what he does he doesn't care doesn't care about your feelings and he's just going to do his thing and he's unusual in that dynamic because it's a lot of love and mutual respect and admiration amongst the whole team and then this guy comes in who's very talented and doesn't give a crap right i didn't swear there because i care about our listeners ears
0: um (laughs) now i don't have to bleep it and
1: there's something right there's something about don where he's like he's not like the rest of them in some ways uh, but he's clearly also good at his job otherwise they wouldn't employ him and I think that they the softening is meant when they realize hey he can be he could be unpleasant basically he can be Toby right he can be unpleasant but still likable and um i think that's a better shift shift than he can be a villain (laughs) um and i think you're right they had enough other villains they had a a copious quantity of them between the people who run the network and dantana and whatever else they're like hey we could just make this guy be another guy at work uh who's different from the rest of them And i I think you're right you are meant to be coming around on don i'm even coming around on (laughs) don and uh who would have thought who would have thought
0: it's a great call out we truly have a villain right now he was extremely villainous in this particular episode especially but Don's villainy in earlier seasons, uh, season, uh, and earlier in season one was that he was bad for Maggie and that they were a bad couple. Uh, and I'm trying to think, like, did he ever, was he ever really awful? I mean, there were probably times that he was, you know, like, there were times where we like, do not like Don. Don is bad. Um,
1: yeah, you're doing some Don washing.
0: Yeah, I know. I don't want to do that. And, and, and so, you know, we need to just acknowledge the truth of the past. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so. I'm I'm happy to see the the many sides of Don now. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And honestly, it is good, right? Because characters should be nuanced, people are deep. Even the villains in our own lives don't think of themselves as villains most of the time. And um giving people he's just more three-dimensional than I think he was in season 1, which is good. So, listen, I like him I like a uh, halftime adjustment and that's what seems like it happened between season 1 and season 2. He's he's a better character than he was. Not just because he's a better person, but yeah, he's both,
0: <laughs> yeah, so a lot of time passed uh we're wrapping up this episode around August, so I guess it's like been pretty much a whole year since they started the um started looking into this whole uh right,
1: which is kind of fascinating, like they clearly they don't seem to be in a rush, despite the fact that in theory, somebody else could get the story too, but
0: yeah, but they recorded this video and 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 edited the the raw footage. In March so they had five months to kind of like watch the video a couple more times and no one noticed until they actually put it on air there's a believability in that of just like you know you're you don't really see uh, look too closely at the things you're ultra familiar with but gosh it does make me wonder like could could not anybody have seen this could could nobody have picked apart that this might not be true
1: and, like, there's some the magic of TV where we know we get to see more than they do. Obviously, we literally know. Mm-hmm. And so we know the clues to be looking for in a way that they don't. Um, and I get that they they simply assume he's a reporter. He's one of us. He, he There's no reason for us to suspect that our own stuff was doctored. So mm-hmm. they're attacking and investigating and probing the veracity of the report, of the information, of the, the witnesses or, you know, the witnesses, I guess, right? The people they're interviewing. But they aren't thinking, hey, we should be probing what our own team member said. And I think that is believable even if it uh a uh, horrendous oversight. Yeah. Like I do see and I I can't, I know we talked about this more, I can't remember what the timelines were, but it does feel to me like it's similar to that Dan Rather gate where uh, a letter about George W. Bush and his military service was clearly written in Microsoft Word and not on the typewriters or computers of the era, typewriters. Um and none of them probed that because they didn't think to. And uh Right. There it is. But, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I have looked ahead to the description of next week's episode. And, uh, yeah, it's it's coming to a head, man.
0: What's the next episode's called?
1: It's called Red Team 3. Ah, okay. So I, I already think I'm going to be wrong. I think that maybe this storyline could wrap up in, <laughs> in Episode 7.
0: And then, uh, yeah, and then we wrap up, ooh, with another two-parter to finish out the season. Uh, Election Night Part 1 and 2. So, yeah maybe we are um moving into a whole new story, but this one sure felt like a two parter The way that they ended it was just like uh i'm I'm ready to press play Should Lex and I just record a, a double header for this one <laughs>
1: it, it It's funny to me though, in shows like this when they say it's a part one um because the whole show is serialized mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's intriguing what merits part one and part two nomenclature and what doesn't, but I agree with you. this one certainly felt like the first half
0: we had uh the blackout part one and part two last um season and uh, that was not worthy of a part one and a part two correct there, there was no continual uh i mean it was kind of the same night i guess for part of it but then they just kind of moved on i don't know it, it uh, hopefully election night part one and two are um a little bit more exciting
1: uh, i hope so i wonder who's gonna win the election like that's a big Ooh, question good me. question good question um, we'll have to watch and see but I am this This was an episode where I didn't begrudgingly watch any of it and I didn't mm-hmm. be like man the whatever I, I, we have been grumpy about this show this show has True. not always hit its stride but this was a strideful episode grumpy but and, fair uh, yeah I am, absolutely uh, maybe too fair uh, but I'm very excited to watch season 2 episode 7 Red Team 3 and uh, hope it continues the uh, the streak the one episode streak we're on of pretty good episode
0: it should. It 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 will. We got to walk in with with the utmost of confidence, especially this time of year. It's a it's a optimistic time of year.
1: Oh, I'm going in. A, I'm going in confident. Well, as we record, it, yes.
0: Yeah, maybe in three weeks, who knows?
1: <laughs> That's right. Um, cool. Well, Brian, what a pleasure to get to discuss uh, a good episode of this show with you. And the only way my joy could increase, besides the holiday season is if uh, some of our listeners, or even all of them, chose to go over to incomparable.com slash members and check out Incomparable Membership. You might say to yourself, why bother? You've heard all the ads we have in the show. There's none. The only way the show makes money <laughs> is if folks like you... Um join the incomparable as members you get bonus episodes bootlegs uh, all kinds of perks and uh, you get to choose how to allocate your funds and you can send some of your hard-earned scratch towards us which of course we'd be ever grateful for
0: and uh, also the the only other thing we could ask you to do would be to to go rate the 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 show especially if you like it and uh and tell a friend yeah tell a friend uh reach out if you have any questions reach out if you need a hug and whether you review us or not
1: whether, whether you choose to become an incomparable member or not, no matter what, we do have to ask that he
0: keeps working in it. Ah, great plan. Great plan. Thank you. Happy holidays, you. everybody. How dare you.
1: I'm more of a Merry Christmas person myself. <laughs>